Hey, welcome to the podcast of C3 Los Angeles. I'm Jake Sweetman, and together with my wife, Nicole, we lead this church. We're glad you're here, and we pray that wherever you're tuning in from, that you are encouraged and strengthened by this word. Here's today's message. Okay, so today I'm going to talk about um, the sacramental nature of our faith. And um, my purpose in this is, is very simple. I want to help set a tone for the way that we approach uh, these things moving forward as a church. Um, and so specifically uh, this morning, I'm going to talk about uh, the sacraments of water baptism and communion. And that might feel kind of a little bit of a random thing to talk about on the first uh, Sunday of the year, uh, but actually I think it's really substantial, really, really important. Um, and so as we participate in something like this, it actually matters that we kind of know a little bit about what we're doing. We're, you know, we're not just eating some bread and, and drinking some wine or juice, um, although they tell me this this might be wine. We'll see. It'll be a surprise. Um, and then at the end of this month, I think on the 29th, we're going to do water baptisms. And so I just wanted to take a brief moment today and, and talk about that as well so that for those of you who should be water baptized, uh, you know the, the significance, the deep, deep significance of what it is that you're doing uh, as you step into the waters of baptism and what we're doing as we partake of the bread and the wine. Um, so, oh, really quick, I just want to take a moment and recognize my, my mom is here today. Mom, can you stand up? Is that, she's got a, a broken foot, but just give everyone a wave. This is my mom. She's an amazing woman of God, and we're so glad that you're here. Yeah. Um, you're one of the reasons that Michael still is in this church and likes me as a person. <laughs> Because you gave him a prophetic word, you know, several years ago, and it was, you know, it was accurate. And so, yeah, he's still here. St. Augustine, uh, who was a church father um, in the 4th and 5th centuries, said this about sacraments, that sacraments are a visible sign of an invisible reality. The bread and the wine and waters of baptism are a visible sign of an invisible reality. So we've been talking all last month, December, uh, about the doctrine of the incarnation. That word incarnate just means in flesh, how God took on flesh and inserted himself into human history. And so we could say that God incarnate, God in flesh, Jesus Christ, is the ultimate sacrament. He is the visible son of the invisible Father. And because of that basis alone right there, we have to understand that the Christian faith is by nature inherently a sacramental faith. Even the church, what you are participating in right now, the gathered people of God could be said to be the sacrament of Jesus, the visible sign of the invisible reality that he is present by his spirit and at work in his people and in the world. The reformers considered even the preaching of God's word to be a deeply sacramental act, holding to the truth that Christ, the word of God, is present as his written word is proclaimed and preached. I think about the act of the laying on of hands here at C3. We love to pray for people, not just from a distance, but we love to bring people down the front and lay hands on you. That's a biblical practice. And even that practice, well, it just fits right in to the sacramental nature of our faith. It's a visible sign of an invisible reality that God is working as one saint prays for another saint. Yeah. 
and, and the substance of all the sacramental activity of the church and the substance of the sacraments of baptism and communion themselves, that substance is Christ. Apart from Jesus, the sacraments are empty activities. But because through his incarnation, Jesus has joined himself to us, we now get to join ourselves to him. And the sacraments of baptism and communion are a part of how we do that joining. Now, all throughout that Christmas series, I kept on making the same invitation to you and to your friends and, and your coworkers who, who came to church. And the invitation was, hey, you should join yourself to Jesus. Because God in Christ has joined himself to humanity. And the invitation is now, will you join yourself to him? And one answer for how you do that, or at least one way to say how you do that, is you join yourself to Jesus by faith through the Holy Spirit. In other words, you believe in him. That's the simple answer. The other way to say that answer is exactly the same. It's just said with different words. In Romans chapter 6, verses 1 to 5, is helpful with this where the Apostle Paul says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. That ought to fix some of our understandings of grace right there, just a touch. <laughs> Why? Well, because we are those who have died to sin. That's your new identity. You're, you're now dead to sin. So how can we live in it any longer? Paul says, well, how, how have we died to sin? Don't you know that all of us who were baptized, speaking of baptism, into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. So the other way to say how we are joined to Jesus is to be baptized in water. Water baptism is the visible sign of the invisible reality that we, by faith through the Spirit, are immersed into Jesus, into his death, and into his resurrection. And this is why Paul in Romans 6 can say that when we are baptized, we are baptized first essentially into Christ, into his person, and therefore by extension into his death. Water baptism is to share in his death and therefore to share in the paying of our sins penalty. And in coming out of the water, we share in his resurrection. Now the resurrection of Jesus is the sign that God vindicated him, that God justified him. Him as the righteous one who laid down his life for sinners. So by being joined to Jesus in baptism, you and I receive that same justification. This is just basic Christian theology that in Christ we have our righteousness. We have our holiness. We have our redemption. In other words, apart from Jesus, you and I have nothing. But in him we have everything. Salvation is in union with Christ alone. And we are united to Christ by faith. You can't see faith. Baptism is a visible sign that's been appointed by God as you exercise your faith in the crucified and risen Christ. This is why the Apostle Peter connects baptism to the forgiveness of sins at Pentecost. Now we know 
that forgiveness is in Christ and Christ alone, no doubt about it. But the early church had no problem equating getting into the waters of baptism with getting into Jesus. When we are baptized, we are baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's how Jesus taught us to do it. That is, we are baptized into the life of the triune God, which is what Jesus brings us into. When we are joined to Jesus, we are brought into the life of the Trinity. We share in his life. Baptism also, I think, is so important for us to recover a proper understanding of it in our individualistic age because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians that when we're baptized, we're baptized into the body of Christ. Which means that baptism, it grates against our individualistic notions of salvation and sanctification. I don't know that you can even safely say or talk about salvation apart from talking about the church. If salvation is to be joined to Jesus, then salvation is to be joined to the church. Because the church is his body. Not like his body, not a metaphor for his body. The church is his body. We are baptized into the body. And so all that to say, for those of you who need to make that declaration of faith, those of you who need to join yourself to Jesus, maybe you've recently decided, I'm going to join myself to Christ as he's joined himself to me. You should be water baptized. Let as little time go by as possible in between your decision to follow him and your decision to sacramentalize that faith. In addition to baptism, which is our entry into Jesus, Jesus has also given us another sacrament for helping us to abide in him. And that sacrament is communion, which we're going to take today. Communion is the visible sign of the invisible reality that we have union with the incarnate Christ. And this again points us back to the power and the importance of the incarnation. That God became a man for a reason. And that reason was so that he could redeem and sanctify our humanity. Which meant that by being joined to him, you and I, we become his siblings, the New Testament says. In other words, we become children of God. C.S. Lewis said it like this, that the Son of God became a man so that men could become sons of God. That's the power and the wonder of the incarnation. That's our adoption. Paul talks about that in Romans. And, And this adoption we have in Christ alone. He alone is our our connection to the triune God. The book of Hebrews says that uh, Jesus the man is the mediator between God and humanity. He is our reconciler between creator and creation. Therefore, our relationship with God comes only by abiding in Christ. The analogy that Jesus uses is like a branch in the vine. So we've been joined to Jesus, and when we're joined to Jesus, we're joined to the triune God. And again, we do this by faith. This is a, an invisible thing, it's putting our trust, our belief in Christ, which is something the Holy Spirit of God aids us in being able to do. But God has given us a sacrament to make that unification with Christ visible. 
And that's why Jesus gave us the Lord's Supper. He gave us communion to be the visible sign of the invisible reality that we actually participate in his flesh and blood life as the incarnate Son of God who lived and died and resurrected and ascended to heaven for us. John C. Clarke <coughs> says it uh, like this, that, uh, oh, I must have removed that quote from my notes. He doesn't say anything, actually, <laughs> apparently. <coughs> but Jesus said this, which is even better. Oh, I do have it here. I got confused by my own color-coding system. Let's do Jesus first. Jesus said this, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. That's a heavy saying and caused a lot of people to stop following Jesus on that day. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, 26, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That is by participating in the body and the blood through communion, we proclaim the salvation that he supplies to us through his incarnation. In other words, we preach the gospel in a visible manner when we partake of the Lord's Supper. John C. Clark said it like this. That the Lord's Supper is not something other than the gospel, but rather that same gospel in physical, tangible, edible form. John Calvin said this, for this reason, the Lord instituted for us his supper in order to sign and seal in our consciences the promises contained in the gospel concerning our being made partakers of his flesh and blood. So God has given us this gift so that when we partake, it's, it's preaching to our own selves that we don't just participate in the flesh and blood of Jesus and in him have our redemption and our salvation and our sanctification in an ethereal, intangible sense. But no, actually it's something that we can see visibly. Now, rather than getting caught up in how this works, I think we should just be grateful that God has given us a means to participate in the body and blood of Jesus, yes. to take his life into ourselves by which we are continually nourished. Mm -hmm. One thing we should say is that because of all this, the sacrament of communion is more than the presence of Christ's memory. It is in some mysterious way the presence of Christ. Now, not in the sense that the bread and the wine are to be equated with the literal body and blood of Jesus. But certainly in the sense that the bread and the wine communicate the real presence of the body and blood of Jesus. That with this bread and wine, we are, as he said, eating his flesh and drinking his blood. We are joined to him. And in being joined to him, we are saved and being saved. Modern day evangelicals, of which I have no problem being identified as, are, um, we're up on our doctrine of salvation, and we know what it is to be saved. But we're nervous around sacramental theology. And if we were to, to look at our theological ancestors, we would 
we would see that they had no problem embracing the mystery of the sacraments along with what we profess and what we say, what we believe. I think a beautiful thing for us to recover this year uh, is to take communion more seriously. We do it on the first Sunday of each month. And I'll just make a little confession to you. I really don't like those little plastic cups with the wafers on them. I really don't like them. I'd rather do it like this, and to be honest with you, I'd rather this just be a, a baseline for what it, it could and, and, and should be. But in order to do that, um, we m- might need some of your help. And we take it on the first Sunday of each month, but in order to prepare something like this or even more beautiful, it requires probably some more hands getting involved. So I thought maybe this would be a good opportunity to just pause and invite you to, I don't know, serve. It kind of becomes, in a sense, more beautiful and more real when what you're serving is the body and the blood in some mysterious sense. Now, it's, it's a sacred thing. So is also putting out a chair for some human made in the image of God to take a seat and hear the gospel. So was also being down in the nursery, holding a baby, made in the image of God, raising up that child in the house of the Lord. So is standing back behind a production booth, making sure that the words are on the screen so that the person who's new to church and doesn't know the song can be made to feel comfortable by singing along with everybody else. So is standing at a parking lot and welcoming somebody in who's looking for where the church is and the parking lot's three blocks away and how does that all come together and directing them. These are sacred things. And maybe if we did the most sacred thing with the right heart and beauty and a deep sense of honor to serve, maybe that would overflow into our sense of honor and serving in all the other ways as well. You've been listening to the C3 Los Angeles podcast. If you found today's message helpful, we encourage you to share it with a friend and consider rating it. If you'd like more information about our church or details on how to get connected to a neighborhood group, head to c3losangeles.com. We love you. Thanks for tuning in with us.